From the studios of One Jacks Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, with your hosts, Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel, and Praise Leader Chris Wing. Welcome back once again to another episode of The Revealing. My name is Robert Engel. I am here with Pastor Frank Salvaggio of One Baptist Church, Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, if you're listening to this, then um, more than likely you um, have been tracking with us through some of our more recent episodes. Um, if not, you are just as welcome. We are grateful that you are hanging out with us today. Um, if you have not been with us, then we are uh, on the tail end, I suppose, of a little series that we have been going through on salvation. Uh, Pastor Frank, uh, myself, and um, our our companion, our brother in Christ, uh, Chris Wing, uh, is not with us this uh, this time around. But uh, we have been going through uh, these uh, what we've been calling the tenses of salvation, uh, how the Bible outlines for us. Um, these tenses or these components of what biblical salvation is. And and just to catch you up to speed uh, briefly, I'm going to ask Pastor Frank in just a moment to uh, give us a, a, just if it's possible, because we've spent two episodes, right, Pastor Frank, on each of these uh, things, two episodes on justification, mm-hmm. two episodes on sanctification. And, and so um, just in just a moment, uh, give us a, a brief encapsulation of what a justification is and then what biblically, of course, uh, sanctification is. And that, I think, will be a good lead into uh, um, sanctification, excuse me, glorification. Mm-hmm. But why this is so important, just if I can bring us back to this, uh, and we've covered this a lot over the last several episodes, is that this is salvation that we're talking about. And uh, there is, to say the least, um, a misconception when it comes to salvation in the church today. We're not talking about lost people. We're not talking about other religions. Uh, We're talking about within the body of Christ, that there are um, grave misunderstandings, assumptions, um, presuppositions, opinions, preferences, all of those things that get factored into what, what we in the church today think salvation is. And, and a lot of it, it, it may sound good, but it's it's not biblical, and so that's been our desire over these last several weeks is to uh, unpack what God in His Word has preserved for us regarding what salvation is. And I've heard even within our own church, Pastor Frank, I've heard people say, "Man, before before I've learned this stuff, I just thought that I got saved and." You know, for lack of a better phrase, I, I got my, my ticket punched or I checked the box and I'm, I'm good to go. You know, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I go to church. Um, I'll read my Bible. I'll, I'll do the things I'm supposed to do. And, you know, that's it. I, I'm good. You know, I got saved. What else is there to do? I, you know, that's it. Um, but that's not it. No. There, there's so much more not to earn salvation, but after salvation yeah. that God only that God not only desires of us, but requires of us. He calls us to. Well, and and, and I would add to that real quick, uh, Robert, it, that's what brings us into a place of true praise and worship of him. And if we really want to understand what, what true worship is, um, you know, understanding that the, the things that we're talking about right now is, is vital. Mm-hmm. I think it's lost in the church today. There's, there's a reason why we are living in the Laodicean age. And I don't think enough of us take that seriously. Uh, 
unfortunately, I think most of us probably don't even know what that means. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's, that's the first problem. That's the first hurdle we got to get past. Uh, but, uh, you know, once we kind of get a grab on what it means, um, you know, there's a reason why Jesus uh, 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 says that it makes him sick. Mm. And he's going to throw it up out of his mouth, literally, in mm. Revelation chapter 3. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, when, you, when, when you're saying that this is a, a missing component in the church today, that's just not your opinion or my opinion or the opinion of One Baptist Church. Uh, that's Jesus' opinion. Uh, because if you really read Revelation chapter 3, uh, what, I think it's uh, verses uh, 14 to 22, if I remember correctly. That last right? That sound about right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I just don't think enough people uh, who would uh, claim the name of the Lord is really paying attention to what that what, what what it's saying there, and and to say, well, you know, that's just there, and although it's relevant, although Jesus said it, you know, well, just don't put all your cookies in that basket. Well, okay, we're not putting all our cookies in that basket because Paul warned of it. Mm. Second Timothy three, <laughs> uh, Peter warned of it. Uh, John warns of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they all warned of what was going to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's easy for us to say things like, "Well, you know, yeah, they're talking about the Jehovah Witnesses, or they're talking about the the Mormons, or no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. That, that there's an obvious shift in doctrinal thinking there." That's not, although Satan does work in that realm, mm-hmm. okay, don't, 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 don't misquote. He definitely works in that realm. That's what Mystery Babylon's all about. Right. He definitely works in that realm. But there's a very, very dangerous other place that he works in that I think most Christians or folks that like, you know, well, let's just say it like it is, um, or else we got to throw Matthew 7 out of the Bible, what Jesus says over there in verses 21 to 23, many are going to say to me in that day, and I'm going to confess unto them, I never knew you. Mm. Okay. So many people who think they are, are Christian, mm. um, uh, you know, they're, they're deceived by stuff uh, because that's what the devil does. He works in the realm of subtlety. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been doing a masterful job uh, in our Thursday night studies uh, as we study church history. Uh, and if you're listening, there's going to be a shameful plug. Uh, listen, you want to listen to what Pastor Robert is saying on Thursday nights. I would highly recommend you go back, hop under our website, onebaptistjacks.world. Uh, go find the uh, the link that brings you to our messages. And, and I would highly suggest you go listen to those messages because I think the failure and the reason why we are living in the Laodicean age is because we didn't heed the that which has been shall be. And and we didn't heed that and we didn't learn from history. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see what the devil was doing all through church history. Yeah. I really believe the way you will ever get to the point where you can defeat the Laodicean attitude is to know church history. Mm-hmm. Revelation chapter yeah. number two through chapter number three, right? Yeah. And you used um, a, a very... A uh, uh, biblical phrase, and, and you said, I don't know that many Christians really even are familiar with that or know what it means, and, and that is Laodicean. And it's one thing, and it's not the scope of this episode to, sure. to dive into that, but it's one thing to, to, to know that you're Laodicean and in the Laodicean age, to know that and then operate based on that, but it's another thing entirely 
to not know it, but think you're better off than we are. Yeah. And it's it's like driving somewhere. You're you're trying to go to Disney World, for example, and and you're heading you're heading in the opposite direction, but you mm. think you're going the right way, mm. you know, or you think you're a lot closer or better off than you are. Not only are you lost, but you don't even realize that you are, and that's scary. And, and so 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 Very many scary. reasons. Yeah. So many reasons why this is important. Um, so. If you will, uh, just give us um, a, a little synopsis of justification and then a little synopsis of sanctification so we can kind of just backtrack a little bit there and lead into um, our discussion today. Okay, so uh, in a nutshell, uh, and just if you're listening and you, d- you haven't listened to our uh, messages on justification and sanctif- sanctification, first of all, I would highly suggest you go back and listen to them. Uh, but uh, understand uh, what we're not saying. What we're not saying is that you ever would have to work for your salvation. Mm. So we want to make sure we're clear about that. When mm-hmm. we say that there are three phases of your sanctific- your, your salvation process, what we're not saying is, is that you're working for any of your uh, uh, salvation. What we are saying is what Paul says in Romans 8. That, so this isn't what we're saying. This is what Paul is saying in Romans 8. What we are talking about is what is Paul is talking about in the very book uh, that talks about salvation the most, uh, which is the book of Romans. And, and, and it's so, uh, uh, it seems to me anyways, uh, and, 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 and listen, I, I don't want to sit here and say that we are better than anybody else uh, or that we know stuff that other people don't know or anything like that. What I will say is, though, that at the end of the day, if this book is the authority when you are listening to somebody else and you're hearing what they're saying and you take what they're saying, like the Bereans do in Acts 17, 11, and you bring it back to the word of God and what they're saying and what the word of God is saying are two different things. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, so it's not that we're better than anybody else. No. The one thing that I would say that I, I hope that anybody that uh, has, has, has been a part of one Baptist church would ever be able to say it's like, those guys know their Bibles. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, okay, they know their Bibles. I mean, and, I, and submit to what it and, says. And submit to what it says. Yeah. I, mean, you, I mean, I don't know that anybody can argue that. Mm. We we know our Bibles, and that doesn't make make us smart or anything. The only reason why we know it is because you know that Kia David has been 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 brought down. Mm. Um, uh, any any grace that we are given to know and have knowledge of Him comes from Him anyways. Amen. So it's all of Him anyways. Amen. Um, um, and, and so, okay, so when, when we're talking about this thing of, of, of justification, justification is what took place on the day somebody comes to salvation. When, when somebody uh, has uh, come to the place where they understood that they were a sinner, uh, standing, you know, uh, standing before a, a, a holy uh, God, and that because of their sin, uh, they could not be in his presence, and that because of their sin, uh, they have offended him, uh, that they now are, are uh, sorrowful for that sin, and uh, they make a commitment to, and, and listen now, okay, they make a commitment to turning away from that, mm. you know, because ultimately, really, truthfully, that's what repentance is. It's a turning away uh, from something. And uh, then, uh, as Galatians 2.20 tells us, uh, not only do they believe 
in that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, according to Scripture, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, but they also have received it. Hmm. And listen, I didn't make up the script on salvation. I'm not the, you know, I, I'm not the, the captain of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus is the captain of salvation. Yeah. And this is his script. And all I can say is, you know, when we're dealing with this thing of salvation, uh, okay, if you're okay with buying into what the world's selling, knowing that Satan is against it, and knowing that Satan is going to do everything he can in his power to divert our attention from what true salvation is, and he's going to subtly change the message. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't know that, then you're missing out on two of the greatest mysteries of the New Testament. Hmm. This is what Satan is doing. The mystery of iniquity is already at work. Mystery Babylon is already in progress. Okay? And 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 I would be willing to to gauge and and and, and bet that most people don't even know what those are. Yet First Corinthians four one and two says we are to be stewards of those things, and we're going to be held accountable to them. And we did episodes on did. those. Absolutely. So so go back and check those yes. out. Um, so when it comes to this thing of salvation, know that Satan is going to try to deceive us. Um, so when it comes to justification, uh, yes, it requires a a a a, uh, a a a believing on Christ. But do note. The devils believe, and they tremble. Yeah. So there's more than just a belief. And, and unfortunately, I think today, if, if people were really, truly honest with themselves, that's as far as they ever got. The justification. Well, Is that what you're even saying? just the believing. Oh, I see. Yes. It, it, because when you receive Christ, you know that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 6, by the way, leading up to Romans 8. Uh, and again, he, he makes very clear in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but not I, Christ liveth in me. Mm-hmm. Now, again, at the end of the day, you know, One Baptist Church, Frank Salvaggio, Robert Engel, we're not, we're not the judge. <laughs> but it is our responsibility via 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, the pastoral epistles, which clearly state what the role of a pastor should be. Mm-hmm. It is our responsibility to warn people uh, uh, of what uh, uh, isn't kosher <laughs> and what is. You know, uh, listen, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're okay, maybe you're not. I don't know. But all I know is is that there is, there is clear evidences that the Bible provides for us to know if we really actually have crossed that threshold of salvation mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. And that's what justification is. So justification uh, is certainly without a question what Jesus did for us. Mm-hmm. We, we did nothing to gain that. We could do nothing to gain that. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace we are saved through faith, and that not of itself of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Yeah. You could not work for justification. You couldn't do anything to get it. It was all done by Jesus, by his work, if you will, that he did on the cross. Amen. He's the one that did the operation that took place on the cross. He's the one that took away our sins and nailed them as far as the east is to the west. So no no, no question. And, and, and yes, was that done by grace? Well, yeah, absolutely. Right? What does Romans 5, 8, and 9 say? Right? Yeah. For God commended his love toward us. Mm-hmm. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. But here's my contention, and I only say this is my contention because this is what this is what the Bible says, man. <laughs> so, uh, wait a minute, stop. 
I would be willing to gather that what's going on in most churches today, for the most part, that's where they stop. They stop right there. Mm. And then they, they rally around things around that. It makes it look spiritual. It makes it look all good. But at the end of the day, what was justification? It was all about who? Me. It's all about what Jesus did for me. Yeah. And, and listen, praise the Lord for what he did for me. And praise the Lord. Absolutely. But if, but, but if you just stop there, then you're missing what he gets out of it. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately, that's the most important piece to all of this. That brings us to the next stage of what we would say is salvation. And you say, well, wait a minute now. So what are you saying? There's other stages of salvation? Well, okay, if it's clear, a clear, Paul makes the clear distinction that it's not by works, lest any man should boast. Okay, either Paul contradicts himself or he's got something else in mind when he says, work out your own salvation with trembling and fear. Oh, wait a minute. I just said it was not, I, I thought you just, no, because what he's talking about now is the next stage of salvation, which is sanctification. Or even verse 10 of Ephesians 2. Well, I was going to get there. Okay, yeah, there no, you go. Yeah, absolutely. Because it says we are his workmanship. Everybody, quote, everybody quotes Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Conveniently, though, for some reason, they don't quote verse 10, which is the purpose of what? So you have the justification there, and then you have the sanctification. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and so now what sanctification is, in a nutshell, it's, it's, it's a setting apart. It's a, it's a, uh, a means by which you take your deceitful heart, which is wickedness, right? Uh, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah tells us. It takes our mind that has been bent towards gratification of self, and it takes our flesh, which undoubtedly is bent toward gratification of self. Mm -hmm. What sanctification is, is taking those three areas of our lives, bowing them all to the Lord, so that now he can use you for what you were meant and what your purpose was to be what it always was meant to be mm. what, what Adam's purpose was meant to be yeah. is the same purpose that we were meant to be. Mm -hmm. And ultimately uh, what that purpose is, is to glorify God. Amen. And, 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 and that's where we come today to yeah. glorification. Absolutely. And so those two components are necessary, not just beneficial, but necessary for us to get to and understand glorification. The last couple episodes, we went through the tabernacle, right? And we talked about how um, that that justification phase, that that represents the outer court there. And then the sanctification, we spent a great deal of time talking about the tabernacle itself and and, and the components of it and, and how you have to, you don't just stop at the altar there. That's the justification. You have to go to the laver, that washing of water. What's what does John 17, 17 say? Sanctify, Sanctify them, them by thy truth. truth. Thy the word is truth. Amen. I wonder, what, I wonder what Jesus was saying. Yes. Yeah. He's talking about the tabernacle. Yeah. That's exactly what he's talking yeah. about. And so just like that, you couldn't just walk up willy-nilly and jump up into the, the holy of holies there. 
yeah. behind that veil mm-hmm. in the presence of the, you couldn't just do that because if he did right what would happen you'd be smitten dead <laughs> there's a reason why isaiah said and the reason why moses you know moses said i have seen the lord i am done i am dead because mm. they knew yeah when you see the lord in all his glory yeah you got sin on you, man. It's it's game over. Mm-hmm. You're done. Yeah. So you had to go through that process, yes. and in like fashion, you know, God is a masterful uh, storyteller oh. and a picture painter, and which is awesome. In His New Testament doctrines and the Old Testament pictures, similar to, you know, praise the Lord for that. Hosea tells us about that, chapter twelve, I think it is, verse ten. Uh, yeah. Verse ten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so like that. Uh, now we get to, uh, if you will, uh, the holy of holies, maybe uh, glorification. And and uh, we um, talk about you know th- these these ten dollar words that end in shun and you know what they mean and and so we're going to do the same for glorification so so let's let's go to scripture uh, let's talk about just from the get go what is glorification uh, what does it mean from 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 a biblical standpoint so okay so the word glorify within itself means uh, uh, to praise. Uh, to magnify and honor. Now, now listen, in worship. Mm. Okay? So if we are going to understand what praise and worship is, I I would offer my sincere (laughs) uh, thoughts to the fact that, well, you better understand what glorify means. Sure. Because that's what it is. That's what glorify glorifying is. When you glorify the Lord, you're praising and worshiping him. Yeah. So if you want to know what those things are, uh, you better know what glorifying him is. Hmm. because uh, if you don't, uh, then uh, you, you might have a uh, warped view of what those things are. Um, it, 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 and ultimately, if we can say it this way, glorification is exaltation. It's exalting of something. Okay? So, uh, certainly, when you look at this word glorification, uh, certainly we uh, see uh, and we understand uh, that the Lord, uh, he, he is glory, right? He is, he is exalted uh, already. Uh, interestingly enough, um, uh, you know, we look at certain things in the Bible, right? Uh, John uh, 1 1 uh, talks about in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm-hmm. Right, and, mm-hmm. and then it says in verse fourteen, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth. Okay, those are those are uh, uh, very very important terminology that's being used that I believe in the church today has been watered down tremendously. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, um, so with that being said. Okay, uh, understand this. What what Jesus did, and this is the mystery of godliness that we're talking about right now. Uh, again, so the, you know when we say, you know, why are we going to be held accountable to these mysteries? Mm. Well, because from a doctrinal standpoint, these seven mysteries that God has laid out for us, and the reason why we're going to be held accountable to these seven things, is because if you really want to understand the New Testament church. These seven things are going to get you involved in everything you need to know mm. about the New Testament church. And, and again, I, I'm just humbly asking, how many people even know what the seven mysteries are? 
I mean, if you don't even know what they are, how are I mean, you do realize what it says in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, right? Yeah. I mean, we are going to be held accountable. It is, re, uh, check me if I'm wrong, but required means, <laughs> yeah, you're not getting around this one. It is required to be found faithful in these things. Mm. Uh, so, And not just knowing what they are, but which is extremely important, but that they're even there, that there are even, that there's anything that we're going to be required or held accountable to. Just like the sanctification stage, there's a requirement, there's an accountability. And, and, and right, and, and Robert, I would say not even knowing that, yes, no, knowing that they're even there, knowing what they are, but we're required to be found faithful to them. Right. So not, we're actually doing that. Yeah, he doesn't say just know them <laughs> right. or about them but or no. be able to recite them. You got to be found faithful to them. Yeah. Um, so, okay, mm. with all that being said, uh, you know, First Timothy three sixteen. Uh, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure that's the verse that talks about the mystery of godliness. So, what is the mystery of godliness? Well, the mystery of godliness is this: God left the throne room of heaven and became in flesh a baby boy through the birth of a human Mary. Mm-hmm. This is a great mystery. It has unraveled the Jehovah Witnesses. Mm. It has debunked <laughs> the, 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 the Mormons. Muslims can't put their minds around this. Uh, most people uh, who would be in an unbelieving state uh, can't even fathom what took place uh, 2,000 years ago mm-hmm. in a manger. Um, God left the rich. He, he literally left his glory mm. and veiled it with flesh. Uh, that's, I think that's the best way to describe that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so then, okay. Then where does John, the apostle get off saying, and we beheld his glory, the only begotten of the father. Well, well, mm. If it was, if his glory was, veiled in flesh what's john talking about well john just happens to be one of the boys that was there on the mount of transfiguration yeah uh in matthew 17 right when jesus unveiled he peeled back his flesh and showed forth his glory huh yeah okay and and certainly uh uh john uh, uh peter and james knew exactly what was going on right there and notice what they did. They, they fell to the earth uh, because they knew this is, this, this, this is, this is God in his glory. Now, how does that translate to what we're talking about? Well, here's the thing. Uh, and John, again, uh, if we were to go to first John, uh, uh, he talks about how we're going to be as he is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, it, the day that we are raptured off this earth, or uh, 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 the day we die, I suppose, if we want to go that route. Regardless, when we when we leave this earth, okay, uh, I'm not going to go into what happens after that. Let's just jump, go through all that, and just when we leave this earth, sure, okay, when we pass away or when we are raptured. Uh, if we are Christians, uh, the Lord uh, is then going to, quote-unquote, judge us, mm-hmm. okay? 
Uh, it's appointed on man once to die, after this, the judgment. Uh, hence the reason why uh, it's probably pretty important that you understand <laughs> which judgment you're going to. Uh, and 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 I wouldn't just say you should understand which one you're going to. I would say you better understand what the criteria for those judgments are going to be. Because okay. they are different. Right. Um, so with that being said, uh, Christians are going to go to what's called the judgment seat of Christ. Okay. Uh, what's going to happen is First uh, Corinthians three, uh, verses ten through sixteen or seventeen, if my memory serves me well, uh, talks about uh, what's going to happen in this this judgment. How God's going to take um, all of our works, hmm, interesting, and, and He's going to throw them into a fire. And what comes out of that fire is either either going to be gold, silver, or precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. Mm. Okay. Obviously, uh, Paul's very clear, this has nothing to do with your sin. Because however you come out of the back end of this, you're still saved. He flat out says it in 1 Corinthians 3. And that takes us back to our the statement you made that we're not talking about um, working for your salvation, okay? Even at the judgment seat of Christ, you're there because you're saved. You're in Christ. That's not in question, correct? So, so what I would say is those that only truly, truly only get as far as justification, humbly listen to what I'm saying. Just, 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 just don't get mad at this. Just hear what I'm saying. When you get to the judgment seat of Christ, there's going to be a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. And you will be saved, yet so as by fire. That's... You'll be saved, but there's going to be a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. Of course. Okay? Yeah. Um, your glorification is going to be different yeah. than somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And there's where the stuff hits the fan real fast. Because there's where most people lose it. They don't understand that. They don't get it. They just have this mentality of, oh, we're going to heaven. We're good. Ticket punched. Wow, well, you think you're going to get something better than me? I, I didn't say it. Jesus did. There, there is a, you can lose, you can't, now, now hear me, you can't lose salvation because mm-hmm. you didn't do anything to earn it. Correct. But you can lose rewards and you can lose your inheritance and Paul talks about that a lot. John talks about making sure that you uh, don't lose your reward and, and, and to receive a full reward. Okay, so what, what's he talking about? What he's talking about is what happened in the sanctification phase. Mm-hmm. That's where that happens. It doesn't happen in the justification phase. In the justification phase, works were not even thought of. Yeah, not not your works at all. It was his. And that's how these stages are related. Absolutely. That, that's why it's so important to understand them, to build on them, because in that glorification stage, if you will, well, at the judgment seat of Christ for believers, he's going to look back at the sanctification stage. He's going to look back at, at our time here post-justification. Absolutely. And, and that's going to be used to determine um, not, again, not that we're saved or not, but that glorification process and those rewards and inheritances that you just alluded to. Um, and, and really that, if we want to take it a step further, that affects our capacity to glorify him. 
Oh, it in, absolutely in eternity does. in the kingdom. So it's and, not and, just about and us, Robert. I would add. Not only does it affect our ability to glorify Him in eternity future, it affects our ability to praise and worship Him now. Yeah. Because what did we say about glorification? What did that? What did we say when we first started? If you want to understand what glorification is. I mean, what praise and worship is, you need mm-hmm. to understand what glorification is because that's how we properly praise and worship him. Yeah, and that is extremely important uh, if you're listening uh, and, and maybe thinking, how is this practical today? Yeah. Or how is this practical for me now in this life? What are the implications of of what's going on then on on now? And, and that's it because this time frame, this life post-salvation is the training camp, so to speak. It, it's basic training, if we can say it that way. And we are working. We are his workmanship. And, and this affects there and then and that day and in every way, many more ways than we even and probably realize. And so if we're going to study this, uh, let's not just theorize these things and, and say, oh, well, that's what it'll be then. And, okay, all that may be true. But look how it is affecting us today and how it affects our ability uh, to, to praise and worship him, not just then, but today. Now, now watch this, because as you were saying that, Robert, something just kind of in my head, right? Thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> Listen, what you're talking about right now, if we were going to put a biblical backing to it, what God calls that is proving you. Okay? Now watch. Right as as Moses is getting ready to get ready to build this tabernacle thing, look what look what God says in Exodus twenty twenty, and Moses said unto the people, "Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that His fear may be before your faces, that you sin not." So there's that proving. So where does God uh, quote unquote uh, uh, prove us? Okay, well, I wonder what the tabernacle is all about. Now, in case you think, oh, yeah, but Pastor, good thing is you just mentioned Old Testament. Whew. Oh, thank gosh. That has nothing, no bearing on us. Well, time out. Do you remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5? Mm-hmm. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates? Yeah. So so this this is the proving ground. <laughs> You don't get to prove yourself later. It's too late, then. You prove yourself now. Now's the day of salvation. Now's the time. This is the day. This is the day. And when we say today's the day of salvation, can I just offer you up is today all three of them. This is the day you get justified. This is the day you start working your sanctification so that on the day of glorification, if you bypass sanctification, you're glorified. I'm not saying you're not going to get glorified. You were saved. Correct. What I am saying, and the only reason why I'm saying it is because the Bible clearly teaches your glorification isn't going to go as well as you think. There are going to be some that are going to stand before Christ coming out of that judgment seat ashamed and naked. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm not saved? No, you are. Mm-hmm. You just don't have any crowns, and you're not wearing your wedding gown. 
you, you understand? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, you're not tossing your crowns before the throne. You didn't allow God to do his work in you so that you could do your work for him. And therefore, you didn't earn any crowns. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. You cannot earn crowns. It's an absolute impossibility to earn crowns without truly understanding what justification, sanctification, glorification is. Because what justification, when, what's it? Build. What glor- Send. Uh, y'all with me? Okay. What is a tabernacle? You go into the outer court. What is it? Justification. You go into the, you get into the tabernacle, into the holy place. What is that? Well, you got the Holy Spirit in there. You got the bread of God in there. And you got prayer in there. I wonder if people pray right. No, we don't. We have no idea what, there's a reason why uh, uh, in chapter eight, uh, uh, Paul says the spirit intercedes for us because we don't know what to pray for. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why we don't know what to pray for, because we're selfish people. And we're too busy sitting out there in the courtyard uh, at the altar of sacrifice. Yeah, We never got into the sanctification. That's why we're selfish in our prayers. And, and as James says, we're consuming that on our lusts. And <laughs> Absolutely. Just yeah. Now, does that mean you're not saved? No, I didn't say that. What it does mean, though, is you are severely lacking in your Christian walk. And that's why I said, I believe, I know I said it in church. I don't know if I said it here, but I think there's a difference between a believer and a Christian. A, a Christian is a Christ follower. A Christian is one who is submitting to the commands of Christ. They are allowing the sanctification process to take place in their life. That is what a, that the word Christian means, Christ follower. Not that you just believe in Christ, but that you are following him. You are a disciple of him. And 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 I do think, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who say, well, I follow Christ. Well, do you? Do you? Well, he gave very specific he instructions did. on he how did. to, what yes. it looks like to follow exactly. him. He didn't leave us, he didn't leave us just to go figure it out. No, Pick no. up your cross and follow me. I think this could probably very easily now bring us to John 15. Um, and I think we should probably turn there um, because if we're really going to grasp uh, what we're talking about right now, let's just let the Lord uh, give us, uh, you know, the answer to this. And, and, and truthfully, this is why I'm saying everything I'm saying right now uh, because of what's going on in John 15. So obviously, uh, this is the night uh, before Jesus's crucifixion. He's got his disciples here, uh, and and uh, he he says some things that are uh, obviously uh, very pertinent to the subject. Now now listen, let's go back for a second and, and, and rehash real quick that tabernacle, because you got to understand it if you want to understand what Jesus is saying here. Okay, you walk into the to the courtyard, you come before the altar of sacrifice, right? That's where justification takes place. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Okay. Then the next thing you come to is the labor of washing, which that labor of washing represents uh, as we are growing in the process of learning God's word, we're letting it wash us, clean us, cleanse us. Can I say this? Transform us. Mm. Okay. Then you walk into that tabernacle. As soon as that curtain shuts, right? Well, we talked about this at church on Sunday, right? What happens? Can you see? No, it's completely dark in there, right? Okay, so what do you have to do? Now, let me say what most people do, okay, unfortunately, is they turn right and they head right for the table of showbread. 
Well, it's dark. You can't see anything. Are you going to stumble around? Are you going to fall? Are you going to bump into things? And when even when you get over there, what are you going to do? You're, 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 you're fumbling through the table of showbread in darkness. Hmm? I would surmise that's where many of people who claim the name of Christ today are. Sure. They just went right for the showbread. What they didn't do is go to the menorah first. Because when you go to the menorah, what you have to do is you have to light the oil that illuminates the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I mean, a whole bunch of Bible verses it should be popping in our heads now. What it does is it illuminates the room. Now the Holy Spirit, and the only way you can light that thing, and the only if you look at the, uh, the process that the priest had to go through back in Leviticus, uh, in Exodus 28, uh, in the consecration process uh, of the priest, and you watch what's going on there, what it is is, and what it is representing, you talk about pictures, is a bowing of your heart and turning it over to him. Why do you think Paul says, walk by the Spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh? What's he talking about? He's talking about what takes place at the menorah. That's what he's talking about, okay? And and, and then walk by the Spirit? Well, where are you going to walk to next? To the table of showbread. Now that Word of God isn't just something you're hearing. It's something you are actually doing. Why? Because the Spirit of God now is empowering you to do it. Do you see where grace comes in? I was going to say that's his grace. So, 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 so there's grace in justification. That's the grace that's being taught in churches today. Yeah. And that's where we stop. Mm -hmm. What about the grace in sanctification? Mm -hmm. How come we didn't, we aren't talking about that. Yeah. Because the point is we cannot be sanctified outside of his work in our lives. The key is we just have to die to self and allow him to do it through us. We can't do that without him. So we need his grace in the justification and in the sanctification. And I have no doubt his grace is in the glorification as well. Well, and, and, and listen, there are some verses in the New Testament. Okay. The, so uh, uh, I don't want to drop names right now, but I'll just say there's a, there's a famous Christian author who has severely distorted what grace is in the New Testament that a lot of people love his books. Okay. I just want to say this. When I say he's distorted it, He's right in the justification phase. The problem is he never took us to the sanctification phase. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a half-truth. Mm. And a half-truth is still dangerous. No doubt. Okay? Either Jesus is all truth or he's not true at all. Which one is it? Okay, God doesn't deal in halves. Remember Laodicean Church? Either you're black or white. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I will spew you out of my, either you're hot or cold. Mm-hmm. I will spew you out of my, he doesn't deal in halves. Mm-hmm. Either you are all in or you are all out. It's mm-hmm. one or the other. Mm-hmm. That's where he wants us. Okay. Um, but, but, but there are some verses in the, in the new Testament that if you're going to correlate grace with love and just stop there, well, how come God gave more grace to the apostles? Does that so mean did he, he love them more than he loves us? Sure. I mean, now you're borderline. So you have to understand where this all came from. That that type of grace wasn't being taught in the church 100, 150 years ago. This is type of grace is being taught in the church now because do you, if God gives more love to you than he gives to me, what is that called? Oh, that's called Calvinism. Yeah. wonder where this damn little doctrine has come from. Uh, you, people got to be really, really careful. 
we're, we're, we're carting a very fine line that the devil's very subtly messing us up on. And we're losing what this stuff's really all about. And it's going to be, there's going to be a price to pay one day. We're going to stand before him, Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, and everything's going to be naked and ashamed and manifested open before him. And he is going to reveal the things that, uh, that we were, uh, um, you know, okay. Anyways. So I say all that to say, okay. So when you get into that tabernacle, you got this menorah, you got to go to it to light it. Okay. So what, what is a menorah? Well, if we were going to go back to Exodus, uh, and, and, and read about this, this menorah, uh, the candlestick, if you will. Right. Okay. What it is, is a light, uh, uh, a lamp, a lamp, uh, the, what's the Psalm, uh, 119, he is a lamp to our feet, yeah. a light to our path. What's that all about? What is what what is King David talking about there? He's talking about the light in the in the in the tabernacle. That's what he's talking about. Okay. He is the light. Hence 1 Corinthians 2. Who's the one that turns the light on in uh, in somebody who can discern God's word? Right. The Holy Spirit does. Yeah. That's why you need to compare spiritual things with spiritual things. Okay. Anyways. Amen. Okay, so we could we could play with this game all day long. But suffice to say. What is a menorah? Well, it's a, uh, a a candlestick that down the middle is the the main uh, branch, if you will, mm. and then coming off of it is six branches. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. everybody, are, are we good with that? Three, okay, that's three what on each side. Yeah. Yep. So here you go. We're in in John fifteen, and and uh, uh, Jesus is is talking to his disciples, right? And and look what he says. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. So he's talking about being this vine. He says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, and it may bring forth more fruit. But listen, we could stop right there, and we could preach that for four more episodes. I mean, do you understand the the, hmm. the implications of what Jesus is saying right there? Okay, now put yourself in it. Understand what he's saying. He's talking about, okay, you've already gone through the justification phase. Mm-hmm. You've already gone to the water. You're allowing God's word to wash you, but now you got to go get illuminated by his word. you got to get the illumination of the spirit. That's the branch that he's talking about. He's talking about that candlestick. you got to come here first. Okay, you come to this candlestick and he says, listen, uh, I am the true vine and every branch that bears fruit is going to be taken away. And every branch that bears uh, or bears not fruit is going to be taken away. Does that mean you lost your salvation? No. What's he talking? He's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Right. That's what he's talking about right now. He's talking about that. If you're not bearing fruit, it's going to get thrown into that fire, wood, hay and stubble. It's going to be gone. It's going to burn up. Mm. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges. What happens when you take gold, silver, and precious stones and you put it in a fire? What are you doing? You're purging it. You're making it what? You're refining it. Sure. Right? Do you see what's going on here? Right? And it says, and what's that going to do? It's going to bring more. It's going to bring more fruit. Now you are clean through the word. What did you do with that, 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 uh, labor? The washing of water. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it says, uh, uh, which I have spoken unto you, abide in me 
and I in you. So you can't, do, if you go directly to that table of showbread, are you abiding in him? Mm-mm. Is he in you? Then you wonder why you have so many dangerous people preaching out of this book. And that's his grace. No doubt. Him, him giving you that ability to do that. No question. And then, and, and if you understand what you just said, Robert, there's a bunch of verses in the New Testament on grace that so you'll understand what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He's not saying he's giving more grace to one person over somebody. No, that's what he's saying. The more you abide in him, the more grace he's extending to you to continue to do his work. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely is what it's talking about. Mm-hmm. Right? He says, abide me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Right. So in other words, without Christ, if all you do is go jump over to that table and you never went to the the, the, the menorah first, you can't buy you can't do it within yourself. There's your grace. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't do it by yourself. Accept it abide in the vine. No more can you accept you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. By the way, how many branches are there? Seven. How many branches are there? Oh, six. There's six. Yeah. What is six the number of in the Bible? Yeah, absolutely. And then you have to be a part of the one mm-hmm. main sure. branch? Sure. Uh, I wonder, if, to be complete in him, seven, there's a seventh one, right? To be complete in him, you the, you have to abide in him. Mm-hmm. If you don't abide in him, you can't be complete in him. That's another sermon within itself, mm. but, right? And he says here, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. God, that sounds an awful lot like First Corinthians chapter 3 to me. That judgment mm. seat of Christ. If yeah. you abide in me, and my words abide in you, now you've gone to the table of showbread, Huh? You see? Right? And he says, uh, uh, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Because what now, now you understand. What are you going to ask for? Where's the next place you go? In the, in the, in the, in the tabernacle. You got the menorah. Yeah. Then you go to the table of showbread. What's, yeah. the, what's, what's back there before the veil? The mercy seat. No, before the veil. The altar of incense. Yes, yes. The prayer. Thank you, yes. What's he saying right here? When you get to that altar of incense, you'll know what to ask for now. You won't be praying about yourself. According to his will. You'll be praying according to his will. Mm -hmm. You'll understand what real prayer is now. You'll understand what you're supposed to be praying for, and you'll ask, and it will be given to you, it says. Right? Now watch. Here's where it all culminates. Herein is my Father glorified, Mm -hmm. that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As a father had loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If, see that? If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So Mm. how does the father get glorified? Let me tell you how the Father gets glorified. You walked into the tabernacle. You went to the candlestick. You got lit. (laughs) Okay? There you go. Then you walked over to the table of showbread. You allowed that lighting to change you. Then you walked back to that uh, 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 altar of prayer, the altar of incense. You bowed down to his will. His will now was your will. And now you're bearing much fruit. Mm. 
now, now what are you doing? You are working for the Lord. Sanctification has taken place in your life. You're winning people to Christ. You're building them up in their faith, and you're sending them to go do the same thing. Now the Lord is getting glorified. Now you can come to the place where you are praising and worshiping him properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. That, and that is, again, just such an incredible, incredibly strong uh, practical application as to how that glorification uh, stage, I guess, applies to us today. And I want to, uh, we'll just have, we have a few more minutes left here. I want to kind of hang on a couple things that you mentioned in that John 15 passage, if I can, just to bring it uh, maybe a little more practical, uh, not that it hasn't been, uh, but if you notice there in verse two, as you read that, Frank, uh, it says, he says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Okay. And then he says something quite interesting. Every branch that beareth fruit, okay, so what we're supposed to be doing. Right. Okay, so that's good. What does he do with that? He purgeth it, and why does he do it? That it may bring forth more fruit. Work out your own salvation. Yeah, (laughs) and so when you think about, okay, so let's take a a believer, a Christian, as you made the distinction earlier, someone who is uh, going through that sanctification stage, someone who is um, in that tabernacle, someone that is dying to self on a daily basis and crucified with Christ. It, it, someone like that who is encountering trials and struggles and, and things that, man, I, I, I'm trying to be faithful to the Lord and I'm dying to self and uh, trying to serve him and be faithful in all these things in the word and in prayer, discipleship and, and on and on. But I'm still struggling with this, and, and this trials, these trials keep coming coming in my life, and and I'm having all these difficulties. What's going on? Shouldn't shouldn't it be easier? And and the answer is no, because when you're bearing fruit, yeah, you'll know that you're bearing fruit uh, by many ways, but but because you're going to inc- encounter things that are going to require more dying to self and that hurts even more Mm -hmm. and so when and i'm not talking about um sin in your life that causes problems and trials that's your own fault yeah that's stuff that you put on yourself yeah but all that live godly that's right shall suffer persecution Mm. and and that's it and then why that doesn't make logical sense no it doesn't but it makes biblical sense because that's how he is getting glorified because we're bearing more fruit Mm -hmm. Um, and so we don't just die to self one time wham bam we're done oh that wasn't so bad or oh that just hurt once no as we're bearing that fruit he wants more and can i just say real quick uh now maybe you have a little more insight of what he's talking about when he says you'll know them by their fruit. Yeah. Because so many people got that all messed up. Mm-hmm. What, what is he talking about? Mm-hmm. They, they think they know what he's talking about. No, 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 no. Yeah. What is fruit? <laughs> right, right. Let's get down to biblically what is fruit. Yeah. Why does God talk about this thing of a, of a vineyard and of a husbandman and, and, and this fruit that's being planted and, and what's going on over there in Matthew 13 when he's talking about the seven uh, 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 parables of uh, – it's all about this vineyard and this planting and this fruit bearing. What is that all about? It's all about windmill send. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. Yeah. And, and so – don't think that as we're growing in faithfulness to Christ and in that sanctification process that it becomes easier or you 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 can master it or you know whatever no we still need his grace more than ever because he's going to purge us 
Just like you do if you have a tree out in your yard and you want it to bloom or to bear fruit in your garden, you have to keep purging that. And, and so there's just less someone who is trying to be faithful and, and walk in sanctification gets discouraged. Don't because you're on the right track, brother. Right. I mean, when you experience those things, because God's getting his glory. Well, what happened? What happens? Just think about it for a second. Right. What happens when you get closer to a mastery of something? Right. So let's say you start you start school. First grade. You're learning the basics. Senior. Okay, you got you got pretty good. Well, mm-hmm. what happens after that? Well, then you go to college. Mm-hmm. Now you go learn. You're, you're in your mat. Is is it getting easier? Mm. Now you're, you're going to get your bachelor's. Is things getting easier? No, it's getting harder. Mm-hmm. Then you go get your master's degree. Is things getting easier? No, we're purging through all that stuff. Now it's getting more and more difficult. Mm-hmm. Now you go get your doctor's degree. Now what? Things get excruciatingly harder. Sure. Yeah. Why? Because you're you're per, you're you're trying to strive for this mastery of something. Isn't that mm-hmm. what Paul calls it? Mm-hmm. Right. You're, it gets harder and harder and harder. The closer and closer you get to the mastery. Yeah. That's it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. Yeah. Amen. That, that's good. Um, and, and and if I could just leave us with this, um, there in verse eleven of John fifteen, right there at the very end. Look what happened. He gets his oh, glory. Amen. And and, and man that that is why he says at the end that your joy might be full. Like that is joy. Uh, it the may joy not... that's being taught in the church today mm-hmm. is ridiculous. This, yeah. is why this is why people don't have joy. Yeah. And he, he didn't say happiness. Right. Uh, he, he didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. He said joy. And so, man, there is joy in that. Mm-hmm. And so, man, be encouraged. And so the, Frank, thank you for this conversation. This has been great. Um, I have uh, no doubt we're going to continue this. Uh, so um, if you're listening with us still, thanks for hanging there with us. Uh, do know that there there is more to come in our next episode. I think we're going to try to piggyback off this a little bit more and get into the scriptures and, and see what God says uh, about this thing of glorification. Uh, any, any last words there, Pastor Frank? Um, I'm good. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate that. Uh, thanks for hanging with us, and we will definitely look forward to uh, to you listening in next time. Thank you for listening to The Revealing a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor, Frank Silvaggio. Associate Pastor, Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world, or email us, info at onebaptistjacks.world.